Hello and welcome to An Englishman and an Irishman and an Irishman in England go to the movies or review movies. Got it. The pop culture podcast that enjoys nothing more than a long spring walk in Haddonfield in autumn. Joining me as always is the man that wears a Nick Castle mask to Star Trek conventions, Sean Ferrick. Hey hey. And, and joining us this week and for the entire month of October is the man that Michael Myers dresses up as for Halloween. It's Albert Hogan. Hey guys, really glad to be here. Welcome. Could you tell your Thank face? You. <laughs> that might just be post Halloween. You it might just be post Halloween blues. <laughs> I mean, it's a weird day to watch Halloween, isn't it? Well, it's because we're sort of we've kicked off the Halloween month day. with. Yeah, as well as time of day, yeah. Uh, for context, yeah. everyone, we are recording this. Uh, it is now the middle of the afternoon. We woke up this morning by watching Halloween. <laughs> we did, yeah. Yeah, we woke up and we thought, what should we do today? Let's do a joint watch of, of Halloween. Um, yeah, and that, that's how we've ended up here. So we're fresh, we're, we're off the presses. Um, but before we get to that, um, Mr. Hogan, um, tell us a bit about yourself. Who are you? Who is the man? Who am I? Well, I'm, um, as you say, an Irishman in England. Um, I have been living here for, God knows how long, 15 years now, um, but originally from County Clare on the west coast of Ireland. Um, I have had the uh, look and the privilege to work in many creative businesses, including film, which is why I'm obviously a big fan of this podcast. And nice. um, hopefully, hopefully means I've got a few things to say um, as we record over the next few weeks. But um, yeah, I worked at Universal Pictures for a while, so I was head of digital there. Um, Very got cool. On, got to work on many cool movies. Um, but you guys know this because we've talked about it before, but for your listeners, I hate horror movies. It's true, it does. It is true. I used to make any excuse possible to avoid um, seeing them when I worked in the film business because we used to have to see the films multiple times before we'd actually release them. I mean, um, it makes sense if you're doing the marketing for a film that you've got an idea what it's yeah, about. Yeah. You might have seen yeah. it once or twice. It's true. I just made the the mistake of going to the studio who released the most horror movies of any studio. Um, but they so, were yeah, attempting so, to make their, their own horror universe at one point, weren't they? They were indeed. They were indeed. So, you know, I've, I've worked on various horror movies like, um, well, some you could class as horror. They were all horror to me, but like The Purge, <laughs> um, As Above, So Below. Oh, I love um, that film. That was a good one. Actually, I did quite enjoy that one. Um, and the one that still terrorises me to this day, The Witch, as in oh, the proper, that like, Middle England Witch. Oh, The the Vivitch. The Vitch. The Vivitch, the Vitch. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so um, this should be interesting as I kind of get to grips with horror movies that I've avoided watching all my life. Um, and I'm sure you'll have great fun watching me um, looking like a big <laughs> scared we do like to watch. I've made it my task to 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 count the um to count the jump scares that get Albert. Um, and I was worried that we'd started off with with Halloween and we may be peaking. But I mean, I see this film once a year, but I think I missed it last year. So it's been a couple of years since I've seen it, and it's 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 all at the end of the movie. There's not mm. a huge amount of jump scares. So I think we actually picked a good film to to ease you in and to to break you break you in with. <laughs> 
Yes, you did. <laughs> I'm still here. I'm still talking. I didn't wet myself, so we're off to a good start. Oh, well, I'm disappointed for one. Um, <laughs> That's all right. Now we know where the bar is. We do. Um, so, should we get straight into uh, thoughts? Albert, what were your thoughts of Halloween? Um, I thought it was a pretty masterful film from a kind of a filmmaking perspective. Um, it's yeah. definitely of its era. So, you know, there was a lot of stuff in there that we would probably see as tropish right now. But I'm guessing at the time it came out, it was probably very innovative. So I'm sort of putting myself in the headspace of, you know, I'm in a cinema in the, the late 70s watching this. And, um, you know, actually, it is pretty good. Um, it's it, There's a lot of walking, a lot of car driving. Um <laughs> Uh, so, there is a so lot of talking of, until they get tired and then they start yeah, driving. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so the pacing is interesting, but actually that's, you know, what movies were like back then, I guess. Mm. Uh, but no, I really enjoyed it. Um, was I terrified? No. Uh, but it's very suspenseful and, you know, there was definitely some jumps in there. Um, so all in all, I thought it was re- really, really good. And I'm glad I finally watched it because I have been meaning to watch it for a long time. I don't know about you, Sean, but when I watch this with somebody that isn't... Because if you're a horror fan, there's a 99.9% chance that you've seen Halloween. Um, so it's, it's often I introduce this film to people that aren't horror fans. And it is a tricky one because it's definitely... 70, even though it, it's late 70s, it is 70s as fuck. It takes its time. for It's an hour and a half film, but it does feel about two and a half hours long. So you're worried that that's going to put people off. So I'm really, really glad, Albert, that you you actually you enjoyed it and weren't just thinking, good God, does anything happen in this film? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think... the, the, the music itself makes it worth the hour and a half, and I'm sure we'll talk more about that in a while. But yeah. Absolutely. Um, Sean, do a brief... So we've got initial thoughts from Albert. Sean, you are the Halloween master. <laughs> um, you passionately i i love it it is my favorite halloween film but you're like on another level above me so give us the give us the 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 brief summary of halloween for anyone that hasn't seen it and yet still wants to listen to us talk about it guy doesn't like babysitters done so what do we think about the score (laughs) Um, no i mean obviously so so much of uh michael myra's story uh, comes from a lot of the sequels. That's the first thing. Like a lot of the stuff you probably know about yes, Michael Myers very comes from sequels. So if you're just looking at Halloween 1978 on its own, it is a young boy called Michael Myers one night murders his sister. Fast forward 15 years later, that same boy escapes from the insane asylum where he's been locked oh, spoilers. away. Spoilers. Sorry, spoiler alert oh, for a, a sorry. film that's I, 40 years old. Joe, I was going to say, you've already seen it by now. Well, we just... Albert was the last person. He was the last person that yeah, needed to see the film, enough. so we've done it now. Okay, cool. And then this, this boy comes back to the hometown where he did his first murder and his doctor, uh, Dr. Loomis, played by Donald Pleasance, it follows him because he knows what they're dealing with. This he is the boy is devoid of anything. He's human shell. He is just a killer, and he proceeds to hunt people down. And that's the film. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and he does a pretty good job of it. Um, as a question that I had was, I seem to remember them elaborating on this in the film. Um, but does Michael Myers just kill his sister, and therefore is demon spawn? Does he kill people while he's in prison? Because Dr. Loomis is 100% this man's broken. 
there was so for Halloween two, which was released but in this movie. But you know, in, like, in just, this movie, it's all there is just, no... You only see Michael, you know, behind the mask through the eyes of Doctor Loomis. Mm. So otherwise, he is just um, see in 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 this movie in the, in the credits he's referred to as the shape so he is basically Michael oh, Myers it. is just he is just the thing that is wielding the knife so nice. that is Michael in Halloween and only Loomis knows that this shape all he will do is kill and kill and kill um, it's not it's not alluded to or it's not explained in this film anyway if he enjoys what he's doing it's just it that feels is... clinical, doesn't it? It doesn't feel like there's... I mean, the mask, obviously, it hides a lot of expression. Or basically all expression. Mm. But is that why he's so scary? Is that what you got from it, Albert? That that mask and the boiler suit is very nondescript. It's yeah, just I a machine. So. Yeah, it's just blank, isn't it? And, um, you know, even in that opening scene where it's point of view, like, the, the vision's a bit blurry. Like, it's, it's kind of playing in those shadows a lot. And... Mm. Um, that does make it much more suspenseful. Um, and I really like that they don't show you who's behind the mask, um, in a way. Technically, yeah. you get a quick flash, a but a little bit of a flash, but not enough to like properly register it. Um, so yeah, definitely that blankness is because you can't see whether he's, you know, full of rage or is completely yeah. calm or, you know, what, what's going on in his head. So all he's, the... He's definitely got, like, a breathing problem. We know that. He's got, yeah, he's got Darth Vader issues. Um, <laughs> Heavy but yeah, But, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think it works well. I think it definitely works well. It's definitely scarier, isn't it? Like, if this is just... If he's not in a mask and you see who he is, I don't think it's as scary. He's definitely got a Terminator vibe to him where he's just non-stop. That's his target and he's going off of it. So what, Sean? What do you what do you love about it? What what makes it peak peak horror for you? Um, so okay, we're, we're gonna obviously spend time talking about the score. So the music is for for me, it is the greatest horror theme, and I do include Jaws in that. I think it is. I think this one nope. pips it to the post. Yeah. Um, I think that there is one of the symptoms of the low budget is that for, as you say, quite a part of the film, nothing happens insofar that would make it a horror movie. But as a byproduct of that, you spend time getting to know your characters. And that is something that a good movie... Like, if you if you want to feel something, if you want to not root for the killer, you know, you need to root for the victims. And but do you? Because... Fifth, that, I would I say totally 50, agree. 50, 50. Yeah, they... They spend a fantastic amount of time developing these people, giving you a good background, giving them their lives. The only person I care about is... Um, Laurie. Uh, is Laurie. That's it. Everyone else, you are rooting for Mike Myers. Or is that just me? No, I'm with you there as well. I mean, there was there was moments where I was just like, come on, get on with <laughs> it. Just get rid him. of him already. Albert was like, fucking kill him. <laughs> get it done. I'm like, oh shit. I thought on the first watch you meant to like kind of re- pretend to root for them. But Albert's just like, nope, Michael, go get yours. <laughs> exactly sometimes you just want you know to get to that point carve up a motherfucker do it right now albert actually so you're you this is still fresh for you and obviously ian same question yeah. but favorite kill albert you go first i know what mine is 
Uh, definitely the boyfriend in the kitchen with the knife. Yes! Bob in the kitchen. I think it's... you're all three for that one, are we? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did you yeah. expect... Were you surprised... Were you expecting him to be stabbed and then fall to the floor? Was it quite a surprise when he's stabbed and then stays put? I thought, he was, just going to, I, I thought he was just going to strangle him. So when the knife came out, I was like, oh, okay. He's yeah. going to have some fun here. So yeah, that, that definitely gets me when you just see the feet kind of flop and, mm. and go soft so yeah that was good although i i definitely i'm still struggling with the death of the dog that was pretty uh, traumatic for me so there's definitely a, a, a it's worth a visit to um does the dog die which i think is a great website for for triggers and stuff so it i don't like that as a rule in movies because it it's kind of a bit easy isn't it it's i'm gonna get an emotional yeah. reaction here because you've killed a dog so I didn't. I didn't need it. There's actually um, you. You probably caught this. Uh, two dogs die in the film. So we have the one who dies on screen, but he has his dinner earlier. So oh, when, sorry, in his house, in his, house. In his childhood house. Yeah. So that's it's obviously it's and thankfully not shown on screen. Yeah. But uh, what is it? The sheriff says uh, no man would do. Oh, that's it. Yeah, no man would do that. And the doctor says, "Well, you're right. No man did do that. Yeah. He's not a man." He's not a man. He, to get philosophical for a second, Loomis dehumanises Michael from the beginning of the film. When he's talking to the nurse, he refers to him as it. Doesn't get... Why do you reckon he does that? Is it just to make him easier to deal with? Does he know that he's eventually... Maybe he eventually knows that he's going to have to kill Myers and that makes it a bit easier on him. What do you, what, what do you think, Albert? This is, this is fresh for you. What did you take on that? Um, I, I think it kind of intensified Mike's character because, well, lack of character, if anything, because he is that blank slate and like referring to it as it and, you know, he, there is nothing behind those eyes except like the desire to kill makes it a bit more intense. Um, so, you know, you kind of, from the get go says this guy is, you know, he's not someone who's going to come right at the end. You know, this is someone who's beyond fixing so it worked for me in that context um was it professional for for a doctor to do that i don't know but like um, like we're going to say a lot here it was the 70s (laughs) a psychiatrist because he is a psychiatrist isn't he Mm. yeah he is the wrong man for this job he is 100 percent given up on myers he should have been reassigned probably after a year but he's plugging away for 15 years just saying yeah no he's a write-off I don't know what, what, how is he going to help Michael now? Yeah, and I wondered, did he kind of secretly enjoy putting a few bullet holes in him at the end? Oh yeah, not even secretly. Or, yeah, um, waiting for this. Kind of going, yeah. I've wasted, I've wasted whatever fifteen years of my life trying to to put you right. And yeah. Just there's no point anymore. Um, so weirdly, that was probably another one of this. The well, at least in appearance, a satisfying death for you know for yeah. to kill him. But then you obviously get the the very ominous disappearance again. Which, that guy moves fast. He disappears real quick. Yes. He so I've got two points on that. Yes. This guy apparates and disappears like he's in the flipping Harry Potter universe. He's just he's gone whenever it's convenient. But there there's two things on that. One did the one that I've immediately forgotten is great. Um so when he, he disappears, does that did you kind of groan a bit when he just disappeared from the lawn or were you like 
Oh. Uh, I thought it worked for the first few goes. Um, it's the bit where she's like looking directly at him and then the shot changes and he's gone and you're like, but you've been looking directly at him so did you just see him scurry off? <laughs> and we <laughs> missed it as a viewer. It's um, like something could have called know, her away, like a microwave ping. Mm. Yeah, yeah, something like that, yeah. Or the phone could have rang because the phone rings a lot in this one, the film as well. Doesn't it, just? Um Yeah, so I think it works, but then it kind of, you know, after a while, I think I think during day, the daytime scenes, it's a little bit more distracting than at nighttime where actually it kind of feels more um, authentic in a way or something. Possible, um, yeah. yeah. Believable. Yeah. yeah. Like a nighttime, yeah, if you exactly. took a step, in theory, you take a couple of steps backwards, you just step into the shadow and yes, you can, you can just disappear. Uh, whereas daytime and i'm thinking uh, i don't know if ian this was your your second one but where he's outside the school it's an iconic shot she looks out there he's standing by the car she looks away so she does look away this time he then gets into the car starts the engine and drives off that's the stuff i love because it's the it's not just oh you've suddenly disappeared you see the the steps between it i love it oh it's so good um my, my second thing was actually is he superhuman does he have powers it, based on this film is that it, because man he takes six bullets a, yeah. a fall a knitting needle to the neck and a coat hanger to the eye and a blade to under the ribs he takes a beating um but there was there was something else that happens earlier in the film um that just seems I mean, he also he well. also he also knows how to drive, even though he's been in an institution all his life. Yep, super knowledge. Screenwriters yeah. attempted to, to explain that one away. Yeah, attempted to explain it away, but it didn't work. Um, uh, yeah, so I think definitely there's something... And the way he strangles the boyfriend, like he properly lifts that guy right up off the yeah. ground, you know, yeah, with that much absolutely. effort. And the breathing remains pretty consistent, so it's not like he's sweating or anything while doing it. So, you know, I think there's definitely something going on there. And breaks the, uh, the window of the car with just the palm of his hand. That was yeah, that was the well. other thing. Yeah, which is hard. You're not going to do that. So do you know you know a lot more behind the scenes stuff, Sean? Has Carpenter ever like addressed that? Was he meant to be superhuman? It's um, it was it. It just sort of ties back. Was he meant to be? No, like he was just a dude in the first one, but it sort of add to the oh god if this guy is coming after us we're, we're we're in trouble and of course it's been parodied to death at this point and a lot of the other franchises have kind of taken that and run with it like i does anyone even know what the heck jason Voorhees is at this point you know um but of course <sighs> that in fair now in fairness to sean cunningham who wrote and directed Friday the 13th he did say oh no we ripped that off like, yeah, he was totally open about it. He was like, "Yeah, no, we just ripped off Halloween." Um, it, I think Saw does it the most, doesn't? Don't they? Uh, how many times does that man die? Slash, how much planning does he do in his dying breaths? Um, but in this film, it doesn't bug me. It is. Yeah. It's. I don't know if it's because I, I saw it first, but it doesn't bug me that this guy's a bit superhuman. Like, I'm, I'm kind of all right with it. I think it feels, and. Either this is uh, to do with the film's low budget or, you know, deliberate choice as well. It feels quite visceral, you know. There's does, no there's yeah. no CGI because there was no CGI, but there's none of that kind of ad- added on top. Um, some of the later films, not, not many, but some of the later films do kind of go with that. And it looks, it doesn't, doesn't suit it. Isn't it. Like, 
He's just an evil dude. That's that, and and Mike, Mike, Mike I keep saying Mike Myers, <laughs> the Canadian comedian. Yeah, baby. But no, Michael Myers works best when he's just an evil dude. He's he's always walking. He doesn't run, even though he can move quickly. Um, he, <laughs> you know, he, 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 you know, there's other things where he uses things that are not a knife, and it eh, doesn't really. No, you know, it's like. It, it, it's, and there's a big thing bet- behind um, serial killers that use a knife as well. Like knives are very personal. Um, a gun is very distant. So crimes of passion, nine times out of ten, it happens with a knife because you, oh, without being too grim, you feel it um, yeah. a lot more than a gun, um, which is quite odd, isn't it? Considering how passionless he is, using a knife is very personal. So he is he's getting something out of it. Well, this went in a very creepy direction. <laughs> that went very creepy. Sorry to absolutely kill the mood. Jesus Christ. Um, so, we kind of say, are we allowed to say that the film has pacing issues? Because I feel like we're going to get shot for it. Oh, no, well, we just got cancelled, so now we can say whatever we want. Yeah, sure, um, fine. It does, I mean, it does have pacing issues. Albert, was yeah. the payoff there? So, but the last 15 minutes, everything happens. Was that worth... The weight. I think it was. Yeah, it's definitely sluggish to get going, and you know, there's an awful lot of foreshadowing, mm-hmm. and then it's just literally, you know, it pretty much takes your breath away in the last kind of ten, fifteen minutes. But that's probably a good thing, isn't it? Because you know, it it kind of messes with your your sort of emotions and your comfort levels, and then suddenly it's like full force. So so it worked for me. Um, you know, some of the the everlasting walking and driving did wear thin after a while, but um, you know, I, I'm not thinking back, going, "Oh God, I wish that I'd sped up a bit." Actually, it works. No. So when you're in the moment, you're a bit like, "Okay, come on, can we move on now?" But actually, looking back over the film, it works as an arc. Sometimes leaving you wanting more does work, doesn't it? So you you're always yeah. waiting for when. Myers is going to turn up again so you're like get on with the walking or which which Mm. bush is he going to be behind Um, there's a couple scenes that really bug me pacing wise and it's the the when they're driving the car Annie's driving the car with Laurie and they're like oh shit it's my dad he's going to find out I'm smoking weed let's immediately pull up next to him (laughs) no fucking drive on like I don't know what the benefit of that scene is. Well, I know what the benefit of the scene is. It's to tell you that Mike uh, Myers has gone into the shop and broken in and stolen some stuff. But it, there are some moments like that that are a bit frustrating because it, you've gone through so much care for most of the film. Most of the scenes with Annie just feel a bit, yeah, that'll do. There is, yeah. Little yeah, Miss Plot a, device. There is, there is a bit of that. Like, Annie and Linda... Um, I find Linda funny because Linda is purely, purely one dimensional. She is there for one reason. And uh, that's one thing I have to say. So uh, Rob Zombie's remake gets uh, very, very, very mixed reactions for people. But the character of Linda in Rob Zombie's remake gets a lot more to do and is a more sympathetic character. Whereas in this one, when, you know, she uh, goes to answer the phone, you know, you're kind of like, (laughs) <laughs> get her get her uh, Annie uh, poor, poor old Annie uh, I mean yeah horn dog Annie 
<laughs> is uh, yeah there's there's a, a slut shaming thing in this film isn't there just everybody that gets definitely. some action dies Beast. yeah um actually except the dog maybe oh <laughs> well no you don't know that maybe the dog had just gone on roger the lady dog somewhere okie dokie we need to move on uh, um, <sighs> fun factoid so paul the boyfriend that she was going to go and collect when he rang her that was john carpenter oh that's cool uh, yeah. so that's 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 a th- and i think right so michael is played by four people in this film right so you've got the kid at the start uh, but also in that opening scene. So we see through the eyes of Michael and the hand that kills Judith is Deborah Hill, who was the co-writer and co-producer oh, cool. on this film yeah. because she had the right size hand. That was, that was, that was basically it. They, you know, whether they didn't want the kid to go and stab Judith in real life. Presumably they didn't want the kid actor to stab Judith. I don't know. That's all pretend it was the to 70s. stab her, yeah. Uh, um, that's that's one thing I picked up on though in that in that kind of point of view sequence was it it was too tall it like you know Michael was too tall basically oh the um, angle that he's stabbing down mm. at her from is wrong well the whole thing because I mean when he was walking through the house everything was sort of at you know the the countertop was at waist level and you're yeah. like ah. so that through but it was only afterwards because obviously I didn't know who it was in the first watch um but afterwards, I was kind of going, oh, that was a bit weird. And I remember at one point shouting at you guys when we watched it, what's with the creepy hand? Yeah. Um, which yeah. makes sense, because it belonged to a woman. Indeed. Well, and But trying to be a child. I wanted to make like a Deadpool joke. As I always find it, it's Deadpool's hand. It's just growing back. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, Jesus. That shot, actually, that the last shot where they demask Kid Michael and pull away, uh, it's the most expensive shot in the film, because they got a crane for it. Jesus, that's hilarious. No, it's an awesome shot. I mean, I do question the parents' lack of reaction. Like, they are Mm. standing there just kind of perplexed and bemused by the situation. Like, did he get into the jam or has something more sinister happened here? (laughs) Who dressed him up as a clown? Because I didn't. Was that whole sequence actually one shot as well, or did I imagine that? So it's designed as what? So I'm destroying the magic of film for you here. It's designed as one shot, but the break in the scene comes when the mask goes on. Oh, okay. okay. Which is makes sense. Yeah. yeah, You either walk in front in front of something black, and that's your cut, or mm. yeah, the mask thing works. It's really, really well done. It's really, if really it's, well done. If it's if you think it's a one shot, then it's a one shot. Like they've succeeded. They've done what they needed to do. Um, it's funny you said earlier about CGI not being around. This was one of the first films to use Steadicam. That is, that's how earlier-ish on in cinema we are. Actually, I've got to sound like that really annoying guy. Oh, go on. Actually, actually, no, it wasn't. So they used Panaglide, which was a competitor of Steadicam. Oh, interesting. And Steadicam won. So think, think Betamax VHS. Betamax VHS, yeah. Yeah. Um, now the only reason, okay, so. Just for the listener's point of view, I do love this film. It is great. I just wrote a thing on this a couple of weeks ago. I didn't actually just walk <laughs> around with this in my head. Um, so, yes. So Go read Sean's article at whatculture.com. Absolutely. I'll link it in the thing. But uh, but no, but for exactly that reason, I thought that was actually, that was pretty, from the making of the film point of view, it is, it is quite interesting because, again, there are some really, really, really super 
shots in this film and considering it's such like i really cannot overestimate how low the budget was for this film like have you got it to hand what was it uh 400 grand of 1978 money which is still like but still that's i mean it's not nolan's following but it is still low budget it's it's not far off student film kind of budget you know what i mean like with a couple of investors maybe and if you think that donald pleasant's took a chunk of that money <laughs> yeah absolutely because uh, uh, he would easily have been the biggest name um attached bigger than any yeah. of the crew um and is it isn't it isn't it one of the most profitable independent films of all time or something because the box office is nuts on it isn't it it's like i think it was three four hundred thousand dollars or something it's three four hundred million i mean oh it's great it's crazy successful i think it's been subsequently beaten well i don't great history will teach me wrong but i think nothing's ever going to beat paranormal activity for most success that cost oh, about a thousand dollars to make and well, that was made... ten thousand ten thousand dollars that was yeah. that was the budget and it made 50 trillion dollars <laughs> yeah like they 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 bought three money printing machines just yeah yeah but yeah but sorry albert you're exactly right it is a hugely successful which is why there are i I think to date there are 11 films, 11 or 12 films now in the Halloween. Now there's several timelines. Um, Yes, yeah. Some films ignore others. Yeah. The most recent one, uh, which I am delighted to say is very, very good film, uh, is a direct sequel to this film. It ignores all of the previous ones. It has just come onto Netflix, so I'm probably going to watch that um, some point this week um, because I missed it in the cinema. Um, before we get onto the expanded Halloween universe, which I'm sure is just around the corner, um, I do love, love, love the tropes that are now horror tropes. But like you said, Albert, this film's done it first. Like the POV, all of the POV scenes from Michael. Now it is just something's watching the protagonist through the bushes, heavy breathing behind a bush. The, the camera's slightly shaky. That's how you know it's a, a human. But I still think even this if this movie wasn't doing it first, it does it best, and I think it does it quite sparingly as well. Did it yeah, stand out like a sore thumb for you, Albert, or did you did you enjoy it? No, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I think you're absolutely right. Um, and again, that's where like thinking about a film in the context of you know the time period it was made, that would have been terrifying if you if you weren't used to that kind of um, POV. You know, I can imagine how terrifying it would be to watch that in a cinema, you know, the big screen and the dark with loads of people around you jumping. You know, I, I yeah, you, <laughs> I would have struggled. You would have pooped your pants instead of giggling I would have pooped most of the movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. <laughs> so what was your, I know, right, I know what your actual favourite bit of the movie was, but what was your favourite bit of the movie that didn't make you laugh? <laughs> <laughs> Get off my um... lawn! <laughs> That was property. (laughs) Sam Loomis is a dick to children. (laughs) I um, so I guess if I'm thinking about this as a horror movie, I actually think that um, sort of the sequence after the the opening point of view sequence where it's Loomis and the random nurse in a car, and then they see the the inmates just wandering around at the radar. That was pretty. Pretty freaky um, and very well done, I thought. And um, 
that that kind of got me and I was like whoa this is going to be intense and then it completely slows down after that yeah. so I like that for the horror aspect because um, there'd be a temptation it, nowadays to the the escaped inmates to be running riot or to maybe even put us inside the asylum and people going crazy yeah. but they are just wandering like and they're all dressed in white so there's definitely a yeah. ghost thing going on they're just wandering endlessly and, and yeah and you never see their faces I don't no, think no you don't um and obviously Myers comes back later as a ghost, which was, uh, I'm still kind of processing that. Dress, but, um, <laughs> with, with Bob's, wearing Bob's glasses. Bob's glasses, the which are really style. They're really stylish glasses. They're back in vogue. They're now. really trendy um, now. <laughs> yeah. But I think from a, from a filmmaking perspective, I think that opening sequence is incredible. Like, because I genuinely thought it was a one shot take. But yeah. They did it so seamlessly. It's really well done. So for horror, it's that kind of, inmates on the loose and for filmmaking it's the opening sequence love it yeah no i totally agree um i do have another favorite which you saw me squee at part way through but sean what was well you love the whole film but what's your standout bit that isn't the score um no that's that's a really good question i mean like albert i do i love the opening scene i think it's really really good really really good understatement um yeah it's a really good movie I I do think for me the entire sequence of Laurie is telling the kids she's killed the boogeyman right up to the end of the film. Yeah. It is just nail biting, and it it's it's loud, quiet. It's everything in between. It's that wide shot where you know he's about to start moving, and he doesn't just start moving; he just sits up. Oh, it's so oh, it's yeah, robotic, isn't it? There's yeah. no. Yeah. He uses a muscle that the rest of us don't have to s- oh, yeah. sit upright. It's, Come it's and join like Michael Myers mechanical. for his core classes. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. You should see him do Zumba. It's deadly. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, he'll, he'll have you in stitches. Right. So my my favorite bit, and it's so I don't know if it's anybody else's favorite, but it is how many times. Myers is in the background of scenes. He's not the focus of mm. the scene. He'll come in halfway through and then check out, and then the scene continues. So the one that stands out for me is is at the Halloween shop, which has a ridiculous... Uh, I thought it was a fucking bank that they were that had been robbed. It was like, no, yeah. no, no, it's just a hardware store. He stole a... a right, why, hang on, why did the hardware store have a Jim Kirk mask? Oh, actually, sorry. So, Albert... What? <laughs> Sorry, so I'm, what? I'm oh, wait, sure. do you not know this? No, I don't know. Oh, so, yes, how are we 35 minutes in and you don't know this? Sean, take it away. So, the ma- so did you not find Michael's mask familiar in any way? Well, you wouldn't. No. Because it's not. Because it's William Shatner's face. It was a Jim Kirk mask that they yes. paint- spray-painted white and they just widened the eye holes a little bit. It was, the- it was a choice of two, right? There was that or there was a clown mask, right? And then they tried him in both, and obviously, technically, you have the opening shot where he has the clown mask. So, yeah. yeah. But they tried him in both, and they said, "Yes, the clown mask was scary, but the blank, expressionless face, yeah, of William Shatner, uh, was more <laughs> terrifying." Is, is, is that a dig at his acting there, Sean? Well, ironically, like this is his best performance. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I had no idea. Oh, I go. thought you would have accidentally come across that at some point. No. Yeah, it's it is one of those cult kind of famous things that yeah, William Shatner's face is Mike Myers, which is why I mean, re-listen to the intro and the the joke might make more sense. 
I giggled quite a bit at that one, you know, it was a good job. <laughs> Yeah. I did a few different permutations. Uh, it was going to be at a Shatner convention, but I thought, fuck that. Who's going to a Shatner convention? Um, but yeah, so so why does why does the hardware store have a Halloween mask? I think, I mean, this is just what I take from it. I, I don't know, but is it just something like an all-in-one store? That, yes, obviously it's called a hardware <laughs> store, but is it, you know, kind we of like a convenience rope. store? We sell rope, we sell knives, we sell serial Halloween masks in May. Murders um, are us. <laughs> yeah, murders are us. Hey, what are, <laughs> kids, fucking kids, what are you going to do? It's the 70s. They're going to fucking have knives and ropes and shit. Oh, dear. But what? what, what but you're what, right. But I, 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 I do love that bit you were saying where he just like drives past in the background. And I would completely yeah. have missed that if you hadn't been giggling. Yeah, I'm, so I didn't want to spoil it for you, but I also didn't want you to miss it because yeah. it is, I, like I said, I missed it the first 10 times. Somebody else pointed it out to me and it's now my favourite. So he pulls up at the fucking traffic lights. He drives past. He may as well be flipping the finger to, to Loomis and the cop and then just carries on driving he's so close he's not doing anything sinister he may not even realize that 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 loomis and the cop is there he might just be driving around but to have the balls as a director to put that in and not telegraph it more is i love it i just oh man like not do a point of view shot from from there that 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 would be such yeah 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 and i'm glad i'm like i'm with you i'm glad he didn't do that um and it kind of you know, on there's two readings of Loomis for me. He is either the most inept psychiatrist <laughs> yes. that has ever worked, ever, as, you know, summed up in this scene of, well, just look this way as the guy I've been hunting goes <laughs> that way. Or, and the sequels kind of go into this, but I think it's, it's in this film as well. They are very much connected. Now, whether it's a supernatural thing mm-hmm. or whatever, some of the sequels do suggest that there is that, but never mind. Yeah. Um, but in this one, I definitely think that there is a connection between them that is somewhat hampered by the fact they only had Donald Pleasance for, I think, eight days or something, which is why well, so the entire, many... The entire film was filmed in 20 days, wasn't it? Yep. That's bizarre. Really? 20 oh, days. Yeah. There's no massive production schedule. 20 days, which is why there's so much fucking walking. <laughs> it's easy to film it. It totally wasn't filmed in in autumn time either was it it, it no, was not so Sean take it away it, it was not it also was filmed nowhere near Illinois uh, there <laughs> is Haddonfield Illinois is a made up place there is a Haddonfield but it's not in Illinois no it was filmed in California and it was filmed Ooh. in the springtime and every single leaf that you see blowing around the streets were hand painted by production designer Tommy Wallace and had to be collected <laughs> at the end of every day because they couldn't afford to keep getting more leaves Oh, the there poor is, bastard! Absolutely. There's, there's a couple of shots. Now, this is something I had, I'd read, and I only really noticed on this. There's a couple of long shots, right? And it's in one of the many, 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 many walking scenes. If you look in the background, the palm trees of California are quite <laughs> clearly visible. Um, and I, there's, I that, there's also loads recently. of. because there's also loads of like rose gardens knocking around. It's like <laughs> there's no roses in October. There's, uh, they, yeah, very. Look at the. See, this is what the podcast has missed. Is a resident botanist. I love it. Picking up the stuff that we made. I'd never noticed that, but you're obviously right. Um, and there's very little brown actually on the leaves. It's very green. It's very May time, isn't it? Yeah. But, but kudos for you know painting fake leaves and and. I mean, them up it's commitment to the cause, isn't it? I have 
an amazing story about that. That is really cool. And Do I'm it now. So Do these it. leaves right, obviously had to be thrown out by, you know, whoever was nearby. Here, Jamie Lee, grab a bag. You know, it was like that. <laughs> and Lead actress and leaf blower. Yeah. Someone worked on this film for one day and then went on to have a career in horror movies. Robert Englund, who Get out of played town. Freddy in the Nightmare series, did one day on this film as a leaf guy. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Well, putting leaves out. Just putting leaves out of Kletty wow. at the end of the day. Uh, he revealed it in an interview years later. He's like, oh, I think I did work. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did leaves on that film. And it was like, oh, oh my God, film. Freddy and Michael Myers are kind of in the same film. That's awesome. Uh, I- Oh, I do love that. But it's like, how did you crack into the industry? I don't want to talk about it. I really don't. <laughs> how did you get discovered? Well. The important part is I was discovered and let's leave it at that. Yeah, let's just leave it there. That's fine. Um, Sean, have you got any more cool, cool behind the scenes stories about, as if you've worked on the film? Anything, any, any cool tidbits that you've got about the film? <laughs> Probably. Um, what do I have? So we have that, obviously, John Carpenter was the voice of Paul. I'm trying to think now. Um... There is, like, no blood in this film. So everyone thinks of the, it, it is a slasher film, yeah. but, like, you don't Even see... Even the blood on the knife disappears. Yep. Yes, it does, mm. actually. You're dead right. As you say, the kind of the jammy-looking uh, blood at the opening scene, you know, it, it's all implied as opposed to anything else. Yeah. Um, so it's a behind-the-scenes thing. So Donald Pleasance... Uh, initi- so two people turned down the part of Loomis. Uh, Peter Cushing... And Christopher <gasps> Lee both turned oh down God. the part. Christopher Lee, in fairness, had the wherewithal to say later on in life it was one of the biggest mistakes he's ever made in the industry. Oh, man. Um, whereas... There's an amazing amount of overlap between Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing, isn't there? Oh, God, they're in half each other's films with the har- Hammer horror films and everything. Yeah. Um, whereas Donald Pleasance, who was, he was he had done... Um, I can't, sorry, I'm not a James Bond fan, so I can't remember which one he was in, but he was Blofeld in yeah. uh, one, possibly two of the films. Um, and he had been a fan of Carpenter's previous film, Assault on Precinct 13. Mm. And Great so, film. And so his his daughter, I think it was his daughter, uh, basically convinced him to do the part uh, for a relatively, I think it, it was no more than 40 grand was his feat, which, you know, would, would have been for his stature... Like yeah, nothing for like free. Them. Yeah, um, and one of the many reasons I'm glad he took it on is that for the ending scene where Mikey gets shot six times by Loomis, as written on the page, you know the body disappears and Loomis was supposed to you know kind of go no, ah. but Donald Pleasance went no that's that's not how he'd react. What he do he he would be he once he sees the body is gone, he would be like, of course. He wouldn't and be surprised, yeah. Right. yeah. And yeah, that checks out. Even more than that, which I think is great, in the same scene, if, like Laurie is sitting on the ground in the hall. She can't see what's gone, but she can see his reaction, which is why Laurie starts to freak out just yeah. before the end as well, because she knows the boogeyman is still alive. It's so good, isn't it? And it's a great way to end the film. Like it doesn't need any. It doesn't need the fallout with the parents of. The bad babysitters have, have died. Uh, it's just enough to leave you hanging. Um, it, today, this could have been a two-hour movie, but having it as 90 minutes keeps it really tight. Um, I, it's it's very well done. Very, very well done. The score. Let's give the next hour and a half talking about the score. 
Albert. Oh, yeah. You, you, you called it straight away. Bring it. Five, so, seven. so yeah, so I have a music degree for your listeners. So hopefully I'll be able to say something intelligent on it. Um, it yeah, it's in 5-4 time, which is very unusual um, and very difficult. To, so for the stupid uh, people like me, or musically, musically stupid, why is 5-4 so strange a choice? Um, just because kind of any music is built around pattern and around phrases that sort of make sense. So this is why pop songs always sound like you know them when you hear them, because they have standard chord progressions, they have certain forms that work. 5-4 um, is a really tricky um, time signature to work in because it's slightly offbeat, but that's perfect for this movie, of course. Um, so it doesn't quite land where you expect it to on every on every bar or every phrase. And straight from the opening um, from the opening credits and the guy's going to test this, I was like, ooh, 5-4. Um, <laughs> if I could have gambled the first comment that Albert was going to make, it wasn't, oh, that's in 5-4. That, that wouldn't have even come into the top 10. And I love it. There you go. Um, so that straight away was kind of intriguing for me. Um, and I did know that John Carpenter had written the score, um, but I don't know a whole lot about it. But it sounds like it was a pretty lo-fi, you know... Um, approach to it and there's a lot of repetition throughout um but there's that really screechy synth sound that was one of my jumps that <laughs> really caught me off guard um yeah exactly and the other thing i think that's interesting about the score is it's actually more present than dialogue in some, in some places so there's a slightly different mix to what you'd normally be used to um which is kind of part of the 70s vibe anyway, but it's really noticeable in this film. So when you've got that score a bit more prominent, it's playing out in a way that you would not expect. It actually just creates that sense of unease, and that's why it's so brilliant. Yeah, you could call it um, Michael Myers' theme, because even though it doesn't only play when he's there, it makes you think mm. of him when it comes on. Mm. Um, that's probably why it's aged so well, because if the score comes on, you're just kind of like, oh shit, he's in a bush, what's he going to do? But there are scenes where the score is there and he doesn't turn up at all. It's just, yeah. the score is just oppressive, it's always there. Yeah, and it's really, like, it's harsh, it's it's hard to yeah. listen to, but it's it's... That's what you want in a horror film. Yeah, it's mm. not it's not something you go to sleep to, is it? It is if you want to get some work done, like Dunkirk. Yeah. It's like do 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 time is ticking. You're gonna get killed soon. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. That's the power of good score music. You know, would I'd be curious to know if the film would work as well without the score. Well I think we I, know um, it doesn't. Yeah, no, I uh, or or even with say a subs because there's been well, it's been a collection of composers that worked on the series. I think John Carpenter did one and potentially two, uh, but Alan Howarth would have worked with him and then on uh, several of the subsequent sequels. Um, and there's a couple of those I'm forgetting. I apologize. And so there is varying levels of success. Um, a lot of them, they reinterpret the theme or they reinterpret the way it's done. Some work better than others. Uh, the Halloween 2 actually does it very, very well. But John Carpenter returned for last year's one, or 2018's Yeah, he re one. reworked it, didn't he? He did. He did with his son and the other composer. I'll be ripped for not remembering these names. But they 
I, I, it's hard to say again just how well they reinterpreted it and updated it. And that is a film that is much that is, it is as of its age as this is. Um, there's a lot of things in that one that you now come to expect in slash films, but you're borrowing from yourself. You're allowed if it's yeah. you're supposed to. Like I think too many sequels try to do more and more and more and more. Just try and do a little bit more of the same again and maybe put a twist on it. That's where I think it gets it gets lost in the in the winds a bit. Um, yeah, score is amazing. The most recognisable horror score, probably one of the most recognisable movie scores. It's definitely up there in the conversation. Um, it, Oh, it's just brilliant, isn't it? Just it does the job. It puts you on edge. It's very simple. I'm always baffled by films that don't bother with a score so much, or they don't put. They have a score in because you need to have music, but they don't really. It feels like they don't put a lot of thought into it. It just it bugs me because I know how impactful it can be. Mm. Very yeah. Irritating. It's the one. I think it's the thing I will take away from this film. You know, in a year's time, when yeah. someone says, "Has have you watched Halloween?" Be like, "Yeah, that score." And it's the thing I want to go away and actually study as a musician. Like, I'm oh, brilliant! I love it. How it's constructed. I mean, I was saying to you guys at one point, I'm like, "What's that chord progression? I need to figure it out." Um, so, you know, I, I love think it. I love it. It's it, it's unexpected even to this day, which is, I'm guessing, a sign of its, you know, how much of a masterpiece of scoring it is. Absolutely, it could I come out it. with a movie today, and it would be brilliant. Mm. The the five four music the only I mean the only other big example that I know of that and working very very well is from the Lord of the Rings. Um, yeah. So Howard Shore's Lord of the Rings, the Isengard theme. Um, yeah, is that the dum dum dum? That's that's it. Yep, yeah, that's five four as well. And they're the only two. I'm sorry. I'm sure there's lots and lots yeah. of pieces of music, very famous pieces of music that are five four. But those two, because they're unfinished, because they're like ah. Stop it! Go yeah. to, go to yeah. your harmonic fifth or whatever it is. Ah, <laughs> I need to rest. Um, and it's it's interesting as well because with five four you have to break it down almost mentally into patterns for yourself. So it's like kind of screwing with your mind while while you're listening to it. Um, but the thing that's also genius in this is the orchestration. So even though it sounds like it's just a piano and a synth and maybe a couple of strings at some point. Um, it's just layered really beautifully and you can still hear each distinct layer, but it's the overall, like the whole soundscape coming together is what's particularly masterful. So, um, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time, I've used to work on soundtracks, you know, I've spent a lot of time studying them. Um, this one has really, really intrigued me. So I'll be really fascinated to go and learn more about it for when I come back next episode and I'll tell you everything you need to know about it. Oh, I love it. That's brilliant. Um, but did you know much about the score going in? Did you know how iconic it was? Had you heard it? Um, all I knew was that Carpenter had wrote the score, uh, written the score, sorry. And I I mean, it sounds vaguely familiar. I probably heard it probably more from a parody, you know, yeah. kind of horror parodies mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, but um, no, I hadn't like heard it on its own merits. So... Um, you know, it's pretty damn good. I'm sure if I heard it in isolation, I'd be like, What's "What are you, what are you doing?" Synth stuff, um, but yeah. no, it makes it's perfect. It's a perfect symbiosis for the film. <laughs> Big question, Albert. Would you watch it again? I would, but I think I would want to watch it with someone else who hadn't seen it because I think there's some kind of joy in that now. Um, probably because I know what happens. Yeah. Um, I would definitely want to watch it again just to kind of take note of all the sort of 
filmmaking choices um to, to listen to that score again in context <laughs> yeah um and also to spot the palm trees because i didn't spot those so. <laughs> well i want to spot the rose gardens so that's yes, what you come yes. to halloween to halloween and horror films for is the rose gardens and the palm trees i love it and the five four five four times <laughs> the, so. the five four um beats love it and the um, walking oh, and the walking and the driving and, and the casual sex everywhere Love and everyone movies. leaving their bloody back door open. What's that? Man, this really annoyed you, didn't it? Like, it really every annoyed door. <laughs> Dude, it was the 70s. Car door, back door, front door, <laughs> you laundry door. You were asking for this. But, I mean, <laughs> the only man who did close the doors was Mr. Myers himself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's why he picks these people. It's like, he, it could have been anyone else on the street, but you left your door open, and I've got to teach you a lesson before you die. Yeah, you are asking for this. You're going to regret that. Um... Second follow-up question, would you be interested in watching the million sequels that have spawned, or would you need a guide through, and this is a question for Sean as well, is there a guide to watching the sequels, are the ones to straight up avoid, does the continuity get so baffling as to not bother? Yeah, I'm kind of intrigued to know where it goes, but I'm sort of more intrigued by the fact that there's a sequel that ignores all the other films. Which I think there's a couple. Maybe, maybe maybe they're not so good, but I don't know. I haven't seen them. I think so there's a I couple will... that retcon things and do stuff. So, oh, wow. full disclosure, I haven't seen any of the sequels at all. Wait, is there one that's kind of Shamrock and Irish? Yes. Yeah, I've seen oh, that God. one, bizarrely. Oh, really? Which that, I think that is That one's actually three. okay. That's three, yeah. Michael yeah, so Michael I've... is not in three. Yes, right. that's why I've seen it, because right. I, I think I read it on the TV guide. It was... As you can tell by TV Guide, it was about 10, 15 years ago. And I was like, what? Why isn't he in this movie? That's weird. It's a, is it a copycat killer? Uh, no, no. So um, they did Halloween 2, the, not the following year, but very soon afterwards. And then they, again, the studio said, Halloween 3. And they kind of went, lads, this, is, this has been done now. So Carpenter came up with the idea of doing an annual anthology kind of film this is long before american horror story was ever a thing interesting so and that they would do you know because so you you have one or two returning actors in three who are but it's not related um michael myers might exist in this universe but it's not a so they're really holding on to the halloween name not the character yeah exactly yeah halloween three season of the witch again fantastic soundtrack in that film um so 80s um and it's actually i it was the last film of the series that i actually saw because i had heard for years that it was skip it it's not good skip it and i now know that it's the die hard myers fans who are saying skip it because which makes sense doesn't it yeah Uh, and that's the and that's to each their own fair enough i like it as a standalone film it's got um you can see where the nihilism that came into a lot of 80s horror is in this film a lot which i i don't want to expand with it without there'd be big spoilers and stuff like that but it's yeah yeah it's it's anyway listen so halloween 3 it's a good but yeah so if you need <laughs> so to to watch the sequels all right so pen and paper okay because this this I'm one ready. is not easy all right, so you can watch them. First one, Halloween 1, Halloween 2, Halloween's 4, 5, and 6. That's one continuity <laughs> right there, okay? Okay, cool, 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 cool. Then you have Halloween 1, 
Halloween 2, <laughs> Halloween H2O, and Halloween Resurrection. Got it. Yeah, I so know of is, those. That is a second timeline. Then, well, then you have the Rob Zombie one. So they're their own. So this thing. Yeah. His Rob Zombies one and Rob Zombies two, um, three exists off somewhere else. Then you have Halloween nineteen seventy eight, and you have Halloween two thousand and eighteen. So even in that one, there is no Halloween two. Yeah, it's just a different date. Yeah. Yeah. Oh so man. Any of those would be an acceptable kind of you know watch them as it is. Um, Halloween's four, five, and six get a dreadful reputation, but they're actually one of uh, Halloween four is a good film. <laughs> Halloween four is a good film. Halloween five is when it starts to really like uh, we have. Well, to man, make by film. the time you get to the fourth and fifth in a series, it is very rare that you're watching anything worth watching. Um, maybe you could argue Fast and the Furious, but they really change. They change genres. That's how they get away with staying so fresh, to be honest. Um, mm. Yeah, interesting. I think we need a different series that is us taking the Halloween universe in, in the three different branches that it comes. But Because we all have commitment. spare time to do that, don't we? Absolutely, yeah. Um, cool. So, Albert, you're going to dive into that? <laughs> um, I might try the direct sequel, the 20... 20- Odd year gap or whatever it is. That that's 2018 one. Yeah, that's the next one. That I'll try watch. Well, that is yeah. an excellent, more, that's excellent like... film. Okay, forty. That's the one I'm going to go for. I think. Uh, um... So, is it what overall? Is it what you expected? Did you did, were you expecting to to wet your knickers? Um, has it changed your view on horror? Um, I see. I would class it as a suspenseful thriller more than a horror. Personally. Agreed. Yeah. Um, but that's with like. You know, looking back with with kind of today's perspective on horror, yeah, um, it is not what I expected actually. Um, mainly because it's it's just really well made and um, not what you, you expect know, real... from modern horror, is it? Yeah, yeah. I was expecting gore and violence and all that, and actually, you don't get any of that, and it still does the job of you know scaring you. There was plenty of jumps in there. Um, so yeah, so I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm interested to see over the next few weeks as we go through other films, you know, how this sort of rates up against those. Um, but I feel like you probably broke me in on an easy one, um, and things are only going to get darker and weirder. You're me. right. Yeah, I didn't. I kind of forgot how easy it would be, but we kind of started. Halloween's a great place to start because it's just yeah. iconic yeah. and it's got so many tropes. Anything before is a bit too hokey, in my opinion. Um, and everything after pulls from it in some way, subconsciously or otherwise. Um, before yes. is hokey. Oh, I'm going to pull you to pieces off the off the air. What before? Anything before Halloween? Not anything. Is ho- not anything. Good just, Lord. There's some stuff that's hokey. I, other than the stuff in the fifties, that doesn't count. That's just psycho. Not a horror. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, nineteen seventy-four. Never seen it. I haven't seen it. I think I think we know some episodes that are coming up. Sorry, Man, I'm a truly is... disturbing individual. I purely yeah. watch all these horror movies. Horror and Star Trek. That's basically me. Horror is brilliant. Um, so let's do a quick rundown of Albert's jump scares in, in, in this week's um, edition of Shit That Scared Albert Hogan. Theme tune. Do-do-do. 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 Do
that's the first one. Um, yeah, so the it was the the sudden staccato when the the synth music comes in. What's happening when that when that comes in? It's the it's it's the actual the opening shot, isn't it? Uh, oh no, Julie, it's when so we pan into the house and we go around the side of the house and you see um, the Judith and her boyfriend on the couch. And it plays there because we're watching them through the eyes of Michael. Isn't that, isn't that it? Yeah, I think that's it. I think why I jumped is because there was nothing really happening. That's great. No, that's yes. it. it. came out of nowhere. So that's why it worked. And your exact uh, words yeah. were, that's some fucked up music. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, yeah, that sets the tone for the rest of the film. Uh, number two, Michael climbs up the back of the nurse's car. And he does it like Spider-Man style. Like he is floating over the back of that car. Yeah, that was pretty terrifying. And also the way that scene was lit was really cool because mm. you had the kind of red of the the brake yes. lights kind of illuminating him and making him look more menacing. But that really caught me off guard as well. Very, very cool. Um, so Michael Myers half out of the bush. It wasn't a massive jump scare, but you definitely went, which is just yeah. iconic, isn't it? He's just half it in, is. half out. Um, from a distance as well, so you get the white mask, and actually, that's when you're just like, "Is he wearing a mask?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> is that is that Bill Shatner? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, number four, um, rock through window, which is the movie being a dick. Like that's not a clever. Oh, that was scare. terrifying. That that was mm. one of the biggest scares for me. Yeah, that was fuck. That was an actual a full body um, jump. Yeah, uh, it's not subtle at all. It is literally rock through the window. <laughs> brilliant um five michael myers in back door window this was was this what annie's washing her clothes yeah that's it and yeah. then he just kind of appears in the shadows it was a definite fuck yeah uh number six that is very similar for the rest of it we've got six seven and eight michael myers in the back of annie's car when he just turns up and starts to throttle her um because i think you realized it almost at the same time as annie that she opens the door it's locked um goes to get the keys but then goes back into the car and it's unlocked sits down and goes huh and then just immediately gets strangled yeah because she she was also noticed wasn't she the windows had fogged up exactly i twigged as well i was like oh he's in the car this isn't good um mike myers uh oh uh, comes out of the cupboard in the kitchen and kills bob um, because there's lots in of places. Glorious fashion, love that. So right? good. He could pop out from anywhere, but it, it he does the timing on it is they make you wait just long enough. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my personal favourite is dead bodies everywhere. Um, wherever wherever Laurie looks, there is dead bodies in a cupboard, in the airing cupboard on the floor. It's the one that swings out. It That's swings the one that out. totally freaks You get out. a body, and you get a body. Exactly. Everyone gets a body. She's in an absolute nightmare of and of horrors, and it's only that moment where I think it sinks in. Oh shit! <laughs> Something's really bad going on here. Ah <laughs> oh, fuck! Exactly. <laughs> So, love it. Good. Um, we have started off with a cracking one. Um, mm. Have we decided what we're watching next week? Uh, have we pinned this down? No, no we have. Well, thankfully, we have quite a lot of options. Um, do. Narrowing it down is quite difficult. Um, it is. It I is. think we do want, to, for, for as much maligned as it, it somewhat is now, paranormal activity is definitely something I want to take Albert through because I wish this was a video thing at the minute because you are not ready like i need a bigger notebook if we do the jump scares for paranormal activity um 
Man, I, that, that film does things for me. I really like it. Uh, I guess it depends if we want to go all over the place or we want to stick to slashers or classics. Um, but I guess we'll decide that and then pop it on Twitter. Unless you've got any instincts, Sean. Or Albert, is there anything glaring that you think, you know, if we're going to do horror, I may as well watch this now? Uh, I think <laughs> None of it, ex- he says. <laughs> the Exorcist is probably the one. Okay, cool. The Exorcist, it is a uh, tremendous film. All right, should we yeah. do Exorcist next we- week then? Weirdly though, I've I've actually read the book. Okay, so cool. It'll be interesting to see how that compares. Mm. Um, but yeah, but I'm 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 open minded. Just don't throw me in the deep end straight away. We haven't. We've given Easily. you a week. I mean, Paranormal yeah. Activity might be a bit deep endy, but maybe Exorcist <laughs> and the o- how do we feel about the Omen? Uh, well, I feel pretty good about it. It's 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 hard. They're all so good. Um, it's. Hmm. Maybe I'll tell you what. For 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 the sake of our lovely listeners, maybe we we might have this conversation off the air for spoilers and for the fact of like, how do we narrow down yeah. all of cinema for for this poor poor this man, poor, poor bastard? Um, cool, good stuff. Um, so I've kind of sprung this on you a little bit, but I have um, now that we've wrapped up the main bulk of the episode, I've got a movie that I've seen this week that I have to talk about and I want to recommend. Is there anything you guys have seen over the last week or two? We haven't really done we haven't done recommends for a few weeks. Um, is there anything you've seen in the last month or so that you want to talk about? So I watched I watched Forrest Gump for the first time yesterday. Oh, first time! How does that happen? Time. Right. Well, whatever I'm going to talk about, that's out the window now. Continue. <laughs> what were your thoughts on Forrest fucking Gump? <laughs> My thoughts were, it's a spectacular film. Um, yeah. Also, another good score. Um, yes. So you really yeah, liked I was, it. I liked it, but okay, but there's a but in there. Um, that's fine. It's very. It, it sort of glorifies a deep Southern America that I don't necessarily respond well to. Um, and uh, I think um, particularly Jenny is put through the ringer a bit as a do character. You, do you, I don't know what character you... Do you mean Jenny? Jenny. Jenny. Hello, Jenny. Um so yeah, so you know, I I I loved it. I thought it was made brilliantly. Zemeckis is a genius. Yeah. You know, some of the ways they integrated him in, even for that time, was incredibly impressive. Um, I think just yeah, it, it's just again, it's a film of its time. I think it is um, that type of you know America, rural Alabama, America. It has slightly different connotations now, shall we say? Yeah. And I know it sort of tries to face into some of the the racism elements and things like that but um some bits just didn't quite sit right with me but overall it was a great watch that's fair. and then i thought fo- and then i followed it up with terminator um what's it dark fate what's the newest one yeah, yeah exactly dark fate, yeah. Dark, fate. dark fate yeah which two was... giants of cinema really yeah. uh... <laughs> i liked dark fate i have to i i actually Same. Yeah. yeah i like every terminator film in isolation yeah. So mm. don't compare them to each other. Just watch them as a Terminator film and you'll have a good time. Everything needs to yeah. stop being compared to T2 because then you may yeah. as well compare it to Citizen Kane or anything or any massive, massive films. Just stop it. Just let it be its own thing. 
Um, Forrest yeah. Gump online, I've seen get an increasing amount of hate and criticism over the last kind of few years. Um, it's gone from a classic that everybody needs to see to oh, it's a bit naff, but I love it. I I came to it late. The first time I saw it was two years ago, um, and I love it. Same issue. Yeah, I know, Sean. You can look at me like that, um, I, and I will cancel the podcast. Um, <laughs> but. It's because it's a long film as well, and it is kind of something I needed to settle into and think, I'm going to put this to one side and I'm going to give it my full attention. Um, Same issues that you have, but overall, it's Tom fucking Hanks. His performance is stunning. He is just the actor. He is the benchmark. Uh, absolutely love it. There, there's, uh, yeah, I could watch that film once a week. It's brilliant. I have a big problem with that film. Go for a it. Bi- a big, genuine annoyance problem. And the, the problem is not the film's fault, but the year it came out. So it, uh, it's 94, this film came out. I think it was 94. It was a very early 90s there. anyway. Yeah. It came out the same year as the Shawshank Redemption and completely crapped all over it at the Oscars. And that's The Shawshank weird. Redemption should yep. have won everything. Yep. But it came out the same year as Forrest Gump. Absolutely, totally agree. And that's the reason why it's getting some hate as well, because of the love that Shawshank has got. But name your film something that doesn't confuse people. Like, <laughs> what the uh, fuck is the Shawshank Redemption? Because the, what's the other film that... the Ah, oh, what's the name of it? The, the Hug, Hub, Hub Sucker Prox... Something Proxy. Um... Oh, the Hudsucker Proxy. I'm going to have to Google this right now. Do we need to turn you off, turn you back on again? You do, but there is a genuine <laughs> film. Um, I can't believe you haven't heard of it. I'm a bit disappointed in you, Sean. Um, you I think I know what you're about. Two years ago. Shut up! Is it the... the uh, uh, no, Hub... Uh, there we go, Hud. The Hudsucker Proxy. Um, no, I've never heard of this film. You've never heard of this film. So that came out, it was the same guy that made The Shawshank Redemption, also made The Hudsucker Proxy. Um, and two films that just didn't do very well. Didn't They got neglected, let's say. Um, largely because no one understood what the titles were. Um, side note, that was all. I was hoping I'd get a massive reaction to The Hudsucker Proxy, but go away and watch it. It's a great film. Will do. Very, very good. Um, just to hear you say the name again. The Hudsucker Proxy. There we go. Hey! <laughs> So um, we'll save the film that I watched until next week because um, we're running a little bit long. But it is mm-hmm. Upgrade. Anybody out there, go and watch Upgrade. It's on Netflix UK. Um, it is fantastic. Watch it. We'll talk about it on next week's episode. Um, brilliant. Love it. Right. Okay, I think that's it for this week. Thank you, Albert, for sticking with us and agreeing to do Halloween, even though it's a genre that you, you've avoided in your career. So I'm honoured I know. That- you're you you you're allowing us to take you through this horror journey in your free time. <laughs> you wouldn't you wouldn't do Thank it when you. they were paying you, but you're going to do it for free. <laughs> I love it. I'd do anything for you guys. You know I would. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll either be really well rounded and informed by the end of the month, or I'll be a broken man uh, crying in the corner. So I'm we'll aiming for broken man. I really I was am. Say, all going well, both. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear, I'm on that terrifying thought. Okay, that about covers it for this week. Um, thank you for joining me, ch- joining me, chaps. As if it's my podcast and Sean is just the fucking. That's guest. all right. Sorry. I know my place. Thank you, <laughs> thank you. You've got two of your own podcasts. So you can get away. Thank you for joining us this week, um, guys <laughs> and girls at home, and everything else. Albert, where can you be found on Twitter? Uh, so I can be found at Albert Hogan on Twitter. 
and follow him. He is a very kind soul and will bring joy to your timeline. He really will. Um, Sean? Uh, oh, sorry, yes. <laughs> Whenever you're ready, this is you. <laughs> sorry, it was a money thing. Um, <laughs> so you can find me. So yes, find me on Twitter as well, at Sean Ferrick. Uh, I am on Facebook and Instagram as well, but yeah, just find me on Twitter. Uh, I also, as Ian mentioned, host a podcast called You're On Crackmate, which you can find on Spotify. And we are on Twitter, but just hit me up on at Sean Ferrick. Uh, I also co-host a podcast called You Set The Tone which is an ER podcast for all those medical people out there. Yeah, because, I mean, ER is pretty medically accurate, isn't it? I think it? so. I feel like I could run a trauma. Yeah. As a, good, please don't. Uh, wherever it is, don't make it near me. Um, right, if you want to find us by now, you should know where we are. It's at English Irish GTM on Facebook and Twitter. Um, we have a website, WordPress. It's not WordPress at all. It's an Englishman and an Irishman. Go to the movies.wordpress.com. The, so the I website mean... <laughs> is an Englishman and an Irishman.wordpress.com. Don't worry, folks. There I will go. link it in the description for this episode. And Ian is no longer allowed to tell people about the website. Yeah, I have tested it. You, you, you do Englishman and an Irishman go to the movies and we come up somewhere on Google. But we, we are most active on Twitter, but you'll find us on Instagram as well. Thank you for listening. Thank you for putting up with us. We'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. Say bye, Albert. Bye. Bye, Albert.